Milk minute, milk minute, milk minute, yeah. This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Milk Minute Podcast. Let me get the sleep out of my eyeballs and then, <laughs> yes, we'll get started. Heather's struggling today. <laughs> I look amazing. You do. I'm not, not going to debate that with you. You look fantastic. <laughs> I mean, am I wearing the same leggings I've worn three days in a row to build Ikea furniture? Yes, I am. But what were we doing today? Just doing some Bob the Builder shit. So you're fine. <laughs> ha- has my... Has my bra lost all elasticity because I've been wearing it for so long and it needs washed? Yes. Also, yes. But but we are here to bring you another magical Milk Minute episode, no we matter are. what we have going on. We are. And today, um, I really wanted to talk about breast milk composition changing over time because we get a lot of questions about like, oh, is it okay to feed my baby donor milk from someone whose baby's a different age? Like... Is the milk I pumped months ago okay? Can I use colostrum now? Yeah. Oh, and should I save my colostrum for when my baby's sick? Or if yeah. a friend donated colostrum to me, can I use it on my 10-month-old? You know, stuff like that. Very interesting. I have questions about it. It is. It is really interesting. Um, and, and I do want to just have a disclaimer here, friends. I'm probably going to throw more facts than are actually, like, practically useful for you in this episode. So don't take any of these details too seriously. Do you know what I mean? And we also just like uh, our studies on this are kind of flawed. Okay. Mm, I can't wait um, to hear about why. So, so we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> um, but I just want to be like, disclaimer, don't throw out any milk because of anything you hear in this episode, please, dear God. <laughs> And also just friendly reminder, yeah. pretty much everything I do in lactation anymore, I automatically think about cave people and indigenous people who breastfed for centuries millennia really and um i'm like they all breastfed each other's kids they weren't like oh sorry you have a newborn (laughs) and i have a 10 month old no yeah and you know what breastfeeding is it's a biological system but it's also a behavior that involves like social and cultural norms right and maternal and infant like Uh, personality and um, it's really complicated and you know now our modern lives are very complicated by the roles parents have to fill in order to survive right and we are still making this really unique like bioactive substance that changes composition and it's really really cool and also we have to deal with these like jobs yeah and it changes (laughs) composition based on your job too you know (laughs) did you see that new mit study did you tell me about it i don't know if i saw that one so mit released a longitudinal study about milk composition Mm -hmm. changes over time and they noted a significant difference in breast milk when kids start daycare oh when mom goes back to work when they initiate pumping and i'm like what 
Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I wonder if our milk is a little bit different now than it was in cave people times. Yeah. Because I'm we sure have all is. of these other things. And our microbiome's different. Like all, the, all kinds of oh, stuff is different. Tell me more. <laughs> but before we like dive deep into that, let's thank some patrons because we are still getting lots of new patrons and it's super exciting. I to love us. the love we're getting. Yeah. It's not just the monetary donation, which is obviously very helpful. But it's the sweet messages that we get through Patreon. It's the relationships that we're building with our listeners. And we love to follow your stories. Like, you tell us your wins, which is so fun. And we're really, really privileged to be able to be on this journey with you all. Absolutely. Do you want to thank some patrons, Heather? I do. I do. So today we want to thank Jamie Ekstrom, Libby, Kaylee Helfrich, and Danielle Elliott. Thank you guys so much. We um, very much appreciate your support. Um, let's take a question from one of our patrons quick and, um, see if we can help her out. All right. Today's question is from a patron, Annalie. And Annalie says, here's the backstory. For the first months of my exclusively breastfed son's life, he had frequent stools, four to eight per day that were green and mucousy. His doctor didn't think the issue was a four milk, hind milk imbalance, but thought he might have a milk protein allergy. She had me cut dairy and soy totally out of my diet to see. We did eventually see improvement with a transition to much fewer classic seedy yellow breastfed stools. I started reintroducing dairy into my diet when he was around eight months, God bless you, (laughs) and started giving him yogurt and cheese a month or two after. He's 13 months now, and both he and I have been eating all the dairy for a few months now with no issues. That being said, when I would cheat, example, a dairy-y meal if we went out when he was younger, I did tend to notice increased spit-ups and fussiness. I didn't mind much, the food restriction, and he was the least spitty-uppy baby ever, which I've kind of attributed to no dairy. In hindsight, I do wonder if it was necessary, if the improvement was due to time rather than my diet, and if something like a Vivo would have been more helpful. We do plan on having more kids, so I find myself wondering if I would proactively just avoid dairy at first with another baby too. So my question for you all is, how real is cow's milk protein allergy from breast milk? Is it just one of those things that gets hyped up? Is avoiding dairy something that you found a helpful recommendation for folks? (laughs) (laughs) Big sigh. So (laughs) some babies have a true cow's milk protein allergy, which is typically characterized by bloody stool. They don't look well. These right. babies are losing weight. They are inconsolable. They're very unhappy. They're they colicky. Have, they're colicky. They have rashes on their body. Mm-hmm. They are not doing okay. Right. And then we have this gray area of just like weird poops that are not bad, right? Where they're maybe greenish or they're way too frequent or they're mucousy or, you know, some variation thereof. Was um, it right after their rotavirus vaccine? <laughs> right. You know, and, there's all these confounding variables. And we, you know, it's it, we don't have good studies on it. So a lot of the time we attribute it to like a dysbiosis of the gut. Um, sometimes we attribute it just to an immature gut because babies are maturing at different rates. And you know, sometimes maybe they were sick and we just aren't sure what what it's connected to. You know, usually if it's just weird poops and nothing else is wrong, I'm like, you're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do anything else. Let's just wait and see. I bet time will fix it. Tincture of time. <laughs> um, if baby is also fussy or like they have a chronic diaper rash with the weird stool, I usually say let's try probiotics because it's like a, yeah. a pretty low or um, risk to that. Or if you all had antibiotics in labor, yeah. if you were GBS positive and you had antibiotics every four hours and or baby had to have antibiotics postpartum, I'm like, 
yeah, it's yeah. it's not going to hurt anything, like Maureen said, to do probiotics. There's, like, transient gas. Well, oh, right. well, your baby's having gas anyway. So mm-hmm. if it's between cutting out an entire food group <laughs> for eight months of my life, yeah, where the solution later is to reintroduce dairy, yeah, I'm going to take the low-impact solution first of adding in a vivo and see what happens. Absolutely. With the exception of babies that are, like, ready to be admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do we have time? Is this an issue that we can wait two weeks to see how it goes? Or is your baby already considered failure to thrive? Yes. Um, wasting bloody stools every time. No one's sleeping because they're crying 18 hours a day. That's not a kid. I'm going to be like, let's give two weeks of probiotics and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, yeah, cut the dairy. Like, let's figure this out. We also need yeah. to probably look at the PKU closely, make mm-hmm. sure we don't have metabolic stuff going on, and maybe get a full eval on, like, do we need a stool sample to yeah. see what's going on in the poop? Yep. And, you know, I have had a couple of clients where they don't cut dairy fully, but they reduce it and they see less spit up and less fussiness. And I'm like, okay. I don't understand I don't. That, I don't understand it either. Maybe there was a threshold of like where we have so much casein in the milk that it's upsetting baby and, you know, less is fine for them. We just don't really have the answers there. Uh, but, you know, Heather and I are always a little bit hesitant to cut out a food group from your diet, especially if that puts like an undue burden on you. And we're still not sure if it will fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we do take it case by case. But the short answer to your question is, no, I would not preemptively cut dairy out for your second Mm -hmm. baby. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and then we will just dive into, you know, milk contents. Whoop, whoop. Friendly reminder, we do have two episodes on Evivo, the probiotic, if you want to take a really deep dive into the science behind it and how it works in your infant's gut. And also, we will put a link to purchase it in the show notes, and the code MILKMINUTE will get you 15% off now, which is pretty cool. Have you guys ever been listening to our show and thought to yourself, man, I really want to work one-on-one with Maureen? I do, every day that I sit here podcasting across from you. Well, lucky for you and everybody at home, I offer both in-person and virtual support through my business. And in my business, Highland Birth Support, I'm dedicated to mentoring you guys through your childbearing year. So that could start with fertility all the way through pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum. I offer home birth midwifery services, doula services, lactation support, herbal support, anything you guys need. You even do miscarriage support. Absolutely, I do. That's one of the biggest things that is so hard to find. And I think that your people that are local to you are so incredibly lucky to have this service. Thank you. And I just feel really happy to serve everybody. And I'm so happy I can expand my services virtually as well. Yeah, telehealth for lactation has been really important through the pandemic. And I think we just about got it perfected at this point. So if you guys want to work with me, head over to highlandbirthsupport.com and check out what I can offer you. That's H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D birthsupport.com. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Let's just dive into some milk, you know? I would love to dive into a pool of milk. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to start out with a blanket generalization because those are great. Mm. (laughs) Because people always ask me about this. So the answer always pretty much is going to be that the most optimal milk for your baby is fresh milk from you. 
right? Period. However, uh, that's not always possible. And it doesn't mean that other milk is not good. It's still superior to formula yes. for all the research. Yes. For most babies, we're still going to say any other breast milk is a good option. And it, it doesn't mean that like other milk is inferior, right? It doesn't mean you need to change anything. Okay. Y'all still with me here? Don't freak I'm, out. <laughs> I, I think I'm still with you, yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's go. Milk has more than 200 different constituents. Uh, and you know what? We haven't even identified them all. So fun. Constituents. <laughs> That's such a funny word for it. I'm like, like voters? <laughs> yeah. yeah like, like things in your milk. Hundreds of them. Just, and we're just finding out new stuff every day about it. Um, <laughs> like and- they found, folks, they found 10,000 new bacteria in belly buttons a few years ago. <laughs> so just imagine how much shit is in your breast milk. Okay. Yeah. And you know, um, we also don't know what a lot of it does. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into all of the different things in your milk because it's just hundreds of things. And I could be like, okay, here's these different alkaloids. I don't know why. We don't know what's it. <laughs> we so- also don't want you to fall asleep while you're driving. <laughs> We're not going to do that today. Okay. But we are going to go into the three distinct stages of milk. We have colostrum. Um, transitional is not like a real stage, but I'm going to throw a, a kind Thanks of baby stage Thanks for saying that because I think a lot of <laughs> lactation consultants feel bad that they don't know exactly when transitional milk I, is. I do have a pretty good uh, estimate of that in here. Okay, good. Um, then we have mature milk, right? And then we've got kind of this like toddler milk. <laughs> and and those three stages have kind of the most distinct differences. However, your milk changes every single day. Okay, so we're just looking at the big picture, like macronutrient changes. Yeah, micronutrients can change, macronutrients not so much. Yes. Let's start at the beginning, Heather. Take me back to the beginning. <laughs> With colostrum. <laughs> <laughs> sounds delicious. Everything sounds good to me right now because I'm pregnant. <laughs> it's thick and yellow. Mm. Can I spread it on toast? <laughs> it is kind of like the butter of breast it's milk. It's kind of salty. <laughs> yeah. And our body makes this in much smaller quantities than the other kinds of milk it makes. And we're going to see this beginning prenatally around 18-ish weeks. and oh, like then, me right now. Yeah, like Heather right now. You want to squirt some on the mic? <laughs> mm, uh, no, my nipples are still a little sore. <laughs> but I will tell you that I, I told my son, because he has a lot of questions, and he was like, when do you start making the milk? And I was <laughs> like, well, when I turn 18 weeks, like it should be in there. Yeah. And so he's following along on my on the Aww. app and on his little phone. And he That's was like, so mommy, 18 weeks, the milk is in. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, you're such an interesting nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to continue to make this for, like, the first, I don't know, three to five days, sometimes less, sometimes more. It's kind of individual. Now, the interesting thing about colostrum that people are always surprised about is it is lower calorie. Yeah, usually people think mature milk. thick milk is full of fat. <laughs> and actually, um, it doesn't really serve a nutritional purpose. What? However... It is mostly serving an immunological and trophic purpose, which means it's going to help baby adapt to deal with pathogens and it's going to kickstart digestion because your baby has never digested before. Mm-hmm. The most that they've done is swallow amniotic fluid and pee it out. <laughs> so 
Your baby has done some peeing, but they ideally haven't pooped yet before they're born. And even if they have had a little bit of meconium prenatally, they still haven't been eating, right? So their guts are not colonized. And more importantly, is really their guts like aren't working yet. They don't have digestive timing down yet. They're not like releasing bile salts and, you know, all that stuff. Like it, it takes, uh, it's it actually takes a while for them to get all of that timed correctly, which is why sometimes we have weird poop stuff happening, yeah. like discomfort. Well, also, I think about people that would be like lost in the desert and not eating for 15 <laughs> yeah. days. The first thing they eat when they get back to civilization is not chicken pot pie. No, it's a very small meal, yeah, right? You want a small, low-fat meal that's yeah. got some good electrolytes in it that is going to help to restart the system. And that's basically colostrum. We have higher levels of magnesium, sodium, chloride, secretory IgA, leukocytes, um, more immunoglobulins, more antibodies, more antioxidants, stuff like that. It's like Gatorade had a love child (laughs) with airborne. (laughs) Yeah. And as far as our proteins go, we have a higher uh, concentration of whey than casein. We're going to have the highest concentration of HMOs ever, as far as we can tell. It falls by about 50%. Why do you think that is? Speaking of Avivo. Why don't you tell us, Heather? Well, because if the, uh, and this is me guessing because I was not on this research team, but the whole purpose of Avivo, otherwise known as like B. infantis, is that B. infantis is meant to digest the HMOs of breast milk and set you up for a gut that is healthy, that can process Mm -hmm. and keep away pathogenic bacteria. So that's probably why. Yeah, and now um, take this with a grain of salt, and I'll tell you why. But we're looking at about 16 kcals per ounce, so that's calories. Now, the thing that we've realized since, like, most of this breast milk sampling has happened is we didn't know enough about how milk changes throughout the day, and there weren't a lot of controls about, like, when people were expressing milk and how people were expressing milk, right? Remember when Similac <laughs> used to be 19 calories and now it's 20? Yeah. So, you know, now we're looking back at these studies with more information being like, oh, if somebody expressed milk at 9 a.m. versus 9 p.m., we might have a caloric difference. If this person expressed milk after a feed and this person did it before a feed, we might have a difference, right? So... I I do just have to say that kind of for all of this is that all of this information, a lot of it's from pretty old studies. Mm -hmm. Some of it's newer, um, but the newer studies are focusing more on like bacteria and, you know, just... And NICU kids. Right. This more complicated stuff to, so we can prevent, you know, necrotizing enterocolitis or things like that and not necessarily at the big picture. Like, wow, milk is cool, you know? Can I give a quick shout out? I need to shout out to Rebecca, who had a NICU baby, mm-hmm. who was born very early, I think 22 or 23 weeks, and required a very special diet. And he ended up getting too chubby, which has kind of hindered a lot of his other progress. Interesting. And she pumped and, you know, did all of that. But they could never really figure out how to toggle it correctly mm. for calories for him with protein and everything else to go easy on his kidneys. So she advocated recently and persistently for a machine that evaluates breast milk for NICU babies so they could more easily add the human milk fortifier and things like that. And she just got word that WVU Medicine is in the process of getting one. Awesome. And like she joined boards to like advocate. That's really cool. That's how cool. So anyway, shout out to Rebecca making changes. You guys can do these things too. Yeah. Okay. So transitional milk. 
Um, most of the time we're going to see this between about five days and two weeks postpartum, but when I was looking at a lot of studies about when like milk is fully mature, most of those said four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. So this transitional milk can actually last kind of a long time. And it's really not that different, right? It's a little bit lower in the immunoglobulins, right, and total protein, and it's just slowly getting higher in lactose and fat and caloric content because it doesn't switch overnight. <laughs> Takes a while for that to transition to fully mature milk. <laughs> and when we get there, we're going to have a protein ratio that is higher. Um, it's still a little bit higher in whey, but it's much closer to equal for whey and casein. And overall our protein levels are decreasing. Protein content is not, as far as we can tell, affected by the maternal diet, by the way. It is, however, <laughs> affected by the age of the infant. Yes. So if you have a preemie, your milk is much more likely to be higher in protein mm -hmm. because your baby's muscle tone is not where it needs to be. Yeah. But if you also think about this logically, and of course I'm pulling this out of my ass, <laughs> but you know, your baby the first six months doesn't really need a ton of muscle yeah. because it's not mobile. But when your baby goes mobile and starts spacing out their feeds, the protein can increase to help build those muscles so baby can walk and run and do all those other things. Yeah. And what we're looking at with this mature milk is we have a really big increase in the amount of carbohydrates or lactose because that's the main sugar and the main way your baby gets their carbs. Um, and we're going to be generally stable on these macronutrients until about 18 months. But those macronutrient contents are really highly influenced by the way that your baby eats, like how much, how often, etc. which I'm going to go into in another episode in much more detail. But that's why these are all kind of estimates of time, right? We can't say, oh, exactly at 18 months, it's going to change. Because if your baby's still nursing like a six-month-old at 18 months, it's not going to change. Or if you're tandem nursing, it's not going to. And our micronutrients here are much more dependent on the maternal diet, right? So um, things like thiamine and riboflavin and B6 and B12 and vitamin A and iodine and selenium, all that stuff goes up and down in all kinds of different ways depending on what you eat. Now, this milk is going to be closer to about 22 calories per ounce on average. But again... Studies where we found that out kind of needed more controls. <laughs> okay, wait. Yes. Did I say something weird? No. I just have a follow-up question. Okay. <laughs> so when you're talking about the 22 kcals per yeah. ounce, are you talking about all mature milk for the most part or just after 18 months? Um, before 18 months. This is about like six weeks to 18 months is the mature milk. Then why... Is most standard formula 20? Is that to compensate for the lower calorie in the beginning of the day and higher calorie in the end of the day? And they I just have took no the average? Idea. I want to know. Maybe it's hard to add that many calories in. I don't know. Or maybe they don't want to put too much sugar because they get pushback on it. Or they took the total number of calories they need in a day and divided by Probably ounces. that. But that's also one of the reasons you see like babies having a higher volume of formula than breast milk is because it is a little bit lower calorie. Interesting. Yeah. And it's always the same. And it's always the same. And so, yeah, this mature milk is going to be basically the first year and a half of your baby's life, you know, and those 
macronutrients, the protein, the carbs, the fat are all going to be pretty stable. And your fat content is going to be between like two and 5%, guys. It's still low no matter what, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's still going to be just like a little bit more than whole milk. (laughs) And um, that's kind of where humans stay at. That's funny. Yeah. That's really interesting. Humans, you know, we're just animals. And that one's always frustrating to me because I've heard just weird you know, secondhand stories from parents about things pediatricians have told them and like, oh, they said I should switch my son to whole milk at 12 months because it has more fat. And I'm like, but it doesn't. It has, what did <laughs> you say, 19 fat. calories? It has 19 calories uh, per ounce. So. Interesting. What? <laughs> and a lot of those calories come from the carbs in our milk. It's not all fat. It's in fact, <laughs> like mostly those carbs, right? Sugar is a lot of calories, guys. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, spoiler, am planning an episode just on milk fats. Ooh. So I don't want to go too deeply into it today because that's a whole other hour of me talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break to digest all this information. <laughs> and when we get back, what are we talking about? Toddler We're going to talk about toddler milk. Okay. I'm yeah. excited. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Aeroflow. Aeroflow is your one-stop shop to get the most popular breast pumps and accessories through your insurance. Yeah, so don't let your insurance go to waste. Why don't you let Aeroflow do all the dirty work for you? You never have to call your insurance when you use Aeroflow. And they remind you when you're eligible for free replacement parts. Yep, so when you're tired in your postpartum period and you're wondering why your pump isn't working as well, you might get a text that says, did you know you need replacement parts? And you say, I did not know that. You push a button and boom, they show up at your door. Thanks, Aeroflow. Thank you so much. Go ahead and check out the link to Aeroflow in our show notes and order your pump through them. Heather, have I told you about my new favorite place to get nursing bras? Oh, tell me. It's called the Dairy Fairy. The Dairy Fairy offers bras and tanks that try to solve the challenges that come with nursing and pumping. Their ingenious intimates are beautiful, supportive, and can be worn all day long. Oh, you're allowed to look good and feel good about yourself while wearing a nursing bra? Absolutely. And they offer sizes up to a 52G. <gasps> oh, Amazing. I'm so glad a company has finally realized that a D cup is not a large. Absolutely. And I, it's so affirming to feel included in sizing and not feel like I'm asking for too much that clothing fits my body. Well, what else do we get? Well, if you guys follow the link in our show notes, you can use the code MILKMINUTE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic orders. Thank you so much, Dairy Fairy. Absolutely. Once again, that's the link in our show notes and use the code MILKMINUTE for free shipping on all domestic orders. Welcome back, everybody. Are you still nursing your toddler? Would you like to learn more about that? Yeah, I'm still nursing my toddler. Lyra is two plus a month. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. What, so what does that look like? Uh, um, what's your nursing looking like now? Well, we pretty much just nurse to sleep. We nurse for naps. We nurse for bedtime, unless I'm not the one doing bedtime. And like very occasionally if she's really sad or something. So like one to three times a day. Nice. And sometimes I just leave for two days and we don't nurse because <laughs> I have stuff to do. And are you pumping when you leave for no. two days? No, at this point, I think the longest I've gone away from her without pumping is like 
almost 72 hours. And I was like, okay, I am a little uncomfortable now. (laughs) And that was okay, though. It's not, I didn't like immediately get mastitis or anything. I was just like, well, I feel kind of full. Yeah. Tender. (laughs) Tender. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about what's in my boobs right now. Yeah. So how is it different right now than it than it was when it was colostrum or mature milk. Yeah, so the difference is way less significant between mature milk and toddler milk than colostrum and mature milk, right? Colostrum is going to be more unique than either of these. This really isn't that different, okay? I just want to, like, don't freak out if you're, you know, giving your infant milk from a toddler mom. It's okay. (laughs) So this is a lot – the contents are a lot more dependent on toddler behavior because some two-year-olds nurse ten times a day. Some two-year-olds are like mine, and they nurse twice a day. But when you get down to much longer waits between nursing, we're going to have a a pretty significant decrease in the carbohydrates, and we're going to increase the fats and proteins again. So it's kind of like going back to the beginning, because we have a smaller quantity, and we need to get more out of that. So the primary source of calories becomes fat rather than carbs. After. Is this why we see a lot of <laughs> toddler moms get mastitis? I don't know. I don't. I don't see a lot of toddler I, moms get mastitis. Not do necessarily you? toddler, but when they're towards the end of their journey, they stop mm-hmm. pumping at work and they're mostly just nursing before bed. I think I would put it down to just like behavioral changes and stuff, and that toddlers are dirty, grimy little creatures. <laughs> <laughs> And it's going to be actually higher calorie now. But yeah, our calorie count's going to go up just a little bit, and we're going to have a lower volume and an increase in our immunological factors. And so, you know, your body's kind of like winding down the volume, and so we're getting like just more of these fats and stuff per ounce. Now I have some some fun facts for you, you know. I like Because this whole episode is kind of fun facts. But there was one study that had actually, like, pretty good controls on this, you know. So I'm going to pick out the, the cherries from that study. Mm-hmm. So this one, as we said, lactose significantly decreased after 18 months. Because they don't really need it because they're eating carbs they're from other places. they're eating carbs from foods. The highest fat and protein in the moms tested in the study were those who were nursing babies older than two years. Ah. Um, those babies are mobile. <laughs> yeah. And for those nursing after two years, they had about 60% more calories than the group from 12 months and younger. So it was 60% a significant... 60% more calories per ounce? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. It, it's pretty significant. That's like a 30-cal shot. Pretty close to it. Yeah. Okay. And those nursing their second child had higher protein levels in their breast milk than those nursing their first. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what to do with it, but it's interesting. Everyone whose second kid crawled it five or six months is like, yep. (laughs) Um, And they also saw that if these toddlers increased their nursing frequency, they saw the body respond with less fat and protein and more carbs. Right? So like I said, it's behavior dependent, not age dependent. It's just that at certain ages, babies tend to behave a certain way because they are all developing on the same, you know, neurological train or whatever. <laughs> okay, so here's a question. Mm-hmm. Can I throw a huge wrench in your plan? Go for it. Let's do it. What about people that get pregnant while they're still nursing their toddler? Okay, so as far as we know, 
at some point in pregnancy, we're going to transition back to colostrum. However, as we've said, like this toddler milk, like isn't all that different from colostrum. It's higher fat, higher protein, higher immunological factors. But I thought colostrum was lower in fat. It's lower. So no, colostrum is higher protein, but lower fat Ah. um, and low sugar. So, but like taste wise and volume wise, it's not that different, right? Mm. (laughs) So I think first, a lot of toddlers just don't notice. (laughs) And And it doesn't matter and they don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't care Theoretically, you still switch sometime in the second trimester, but we just haven't done that many studies on parents who are pregnant and still breastfeeding a toddler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, when the new baby is born, the you kind of take the frequency of feeds all together like it's one baby. So, you know, even if, say, like you have a six-month-old and a two-year-old nursing at the same well, time. yeah, that would explain why the protein's higher in your yeah. second baby. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the baby who nurses more frequently is the determinant of the milk content. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. God, we're magic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. And it's not that, like, it's bad for a two-year-old to have milk that's more water and lactose. No, it's not. It's just that if your two-year-old is only nursing like once or twice a day, you know, your body's like, let's give them all the immune factors we can. They're still getting them in other milk if you're tandem nursing. It's fine. It's just going to taste sweeter, (laughs) you know, and they're just going to get a higher volume. Great. Great. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There was an interesting fact from that, too. The highest levels of lactoferrin were recorded between 12 and 24 months of lactation, and Reminder that that is an iron-binding protein. It inhibits the growth of certain iron-dependent bacteria in the gastrointestinal tract, and it can protect against gastrointestinal infections. Is that because those kids are so mobile and putting everything in their mouth? I mean, it's certainly sick all convenient the time. <laughs> that it happens at that time, right? <laughs> I mean, and these things, like, you know, we look at these facts and we're like, wow, that is amazing that this, you know, protein that helps prevent infection happens to be present in high quantities when my kid is literally licking the floor at Walmart. Awesome. One time, <laughs> my son licked the entire length of the counter at Big Lots. Oh, God. That place is one of the most disgusting stores. Yeah, the cashier looked down at him, and, like, <laughs> it was a slow motion, like, no. <laughs> and she just goes, ew. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well. Oh, man, yeah. Um, Griffin broke out of that little toddler seat in the Walmart bathroom once and oh. licked the floor and then crawled out under the door. Oh. And I was pooping. No. <laughs> and I, like, couldn't get up to follow him. I was like, oh, no. Someone will catch him. I mean, he couldn't get out of the bathroom, but he did them, like, throw paper towels everywhere, which was fun. Why are they like that? I don't know, but I was so upset. (laughs) And at this point with Lyra, I'm like, wow, that hasn't happened yet. Great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're so different. Amazing. (laughs) Our sons. Oh, my gosh. Our sons are a challenge. I used to have to take a buddy with me to go grocery shopping. This is before you could order groceries Mm -hmm. because he would literally get away from me while I was bagging up groceries, and he would run out the automatic door directly into the parking lot. So Lyra's my runner, not Griffin. He, He ran away from me one time in a grocery store. 
Otherwise, he would literally hold on to my shirt tails. Like, all of my shirts were stretched in the back. Oh, how annoying. Yeah. So I never had to keep track of him because he was literally dragging me <laughs> everywhere. But Lyra, I have, like, done experiments to be like, how far will you go? She won't stop. Will she, she will not. Like, we'll be in the woods and I'll be like, I'm just going to stop and see. She will go out of sight. <laughs> As, and then I'll like sneak up, you know, so she can't see me and watch. She just keep going. She doesn't oh care. God. No These girls. The girls are like, <laughs> yeah. I'm an adult. Bye. <laughs> no, the one time Griffin ran away from me, I was not ready, of course, because he literally never did that. And he was like three. And I looked and I just saw like the wisp of his hair like go around the corner, you know, and I ran and then I looked and I didn't see him and I shouted down the grocery store. I was like, little blonde haired boy wearing a green shirt, you know, and like this big dude was like, I see him and like started sprinting down the aisle and like (laughs) jumped and grabbed him. (laughs) Oh my God. And Griffin was like, I just got manhandled by a stranger. <laughs> he, Griffin was totally fine. This dude laid himself out, though. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. It was great because I could not catch him. He was oh. so fast. Oh, yeah. And, like, had fast. an amazing head start on Jimmy me. John should just hire a bunch of three-year-olds to deliver their sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, Lyra, though, I do not let go of her for one second. There are kids that you could put on leashes and feel pretty good about it. I honestly have thought about it a lot with Lyra, but I think she would just be like a cat on a leash where Mm -hmm. she would just refuse to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Where she just dangles two inches above the ground like uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, she would just freak (laughs) out. She would walk with a limp like like when you put a cat in a collar and they're like, oh, I can't walk. (laughs) That would be her. That's awesome. Anywho... So, question, uh, we, we were talking about lactoferrin and iron yeah. binding protein. So, breast milk, allegedly, which is probably true, is lower in iron mm-hmm. after six months. Yeah. Or lower in iron all I, the time, and they just lose their iron. We did yeah, a whole episode on this. we did an episode on it. it. It's low in iron all the time compared to formula, mm-hmm. but it's a more absorbable iron, right? Yeah. Arguably, we possibly don't need to you know, supplement. It's it's hard to say, but the lactoferrin is what can keep them from getting infections, even if you are giving them an iron supplement, right? Because we did talk about that as a possible um, risk of supplementing with iron. That's really cool. I would love to do a whole episode on lactoferrin. That'd be cool. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Let's talk we, to some immunologists. We should just do 300 episodes each on its own Little piece of breast milk. <laughs> a little piece. A little oh, piece of heaven. <laughs> when, when are we going to stop doing this, by the way? You know what, Heather? I've definitely thought, like, maybe when we get to 200, we should just do, like, seasons and be like, okay, we're just going to do, like, 10 episodes a year and just, like, release them during our, like, busiest listening time and then just take the rest of the year off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't throw What do you ride. think? <laughs> what do you think, all? I, we are getting us. a little bit tired. No. With I mean, all the things we have to do. Not of the podcast, but I'm like, I'm a tired human. Well, it's just that you know eventually <laughs> it's going to end. So it's like, do when? we have any control over that and when? Yeah. I don't know. What do you want from us, guys? Nope. I definitely, I want to make it at the very least to 200 episodes. Sure. And we're close. We're going to get there this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Email us at milkminutepodcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. if uh, you have any thoughts about that. Yeah. 
we're not quitting anytime soon. We were just, no. we're opening discussion. Yeah, I think that we may end up changing our release schedule at some point. Yeah, weekly we'll is a lot. Weekly is a lot. We have other things going on. There's so many kids. We're having another kid joining us <laughs> <laughs> so soon. So oh my soon. gosh. Halfway through. Crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> Help me. All right. Well, um, <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to give an award in the alcove. Okay. Sounds good. If you're pumping milk away from your baby at all, at work, or wherever you go, you deserve a bougie product to make that easier for you. You deserve a series chiller. And frankly, I could not live without one right now. The Series Chiller is an excellent way to store your breast milk safely, and it keeps your breast milk cold for 24 hours. It is the only thing I use to transport my breast milk to and from work. While I'm working, it's got a sleek and beautiful design, lots of great colors, high quality materials, and manufacturing. Series Chill also has other products that you might want to check out too. My personal favorite is the Milk Stash. They have a great nipple shield that actually changes colors, and it's not clear like all the other ones. <laughs> and you know how we feel about that. <laughs> um, if you want to have your very own series chiller, please go to the link in our show notes and use code MILKMINUTE15 at checkout. That's MILKMINUTE15 for 15% off your series chill products. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> It's time to give an award in the alcove, and today's goes to one of our listeners, Brandy Nicole. Brandy says, sharing my story to hopefully encourage others, and she posted a picture of the first breastfeeding session as well as her last at 28 months of life, and she says that it was the most wonderful, empowering, and challenging journey of her life, and then she goes on to say some very nice inspirational things, like if you're struggling and feeling like you can't, you can, <laughs> and I would encourage anyone to try it and experience the bond. Don't give up. And that's great. Brandy, we're going to give you the Master of Challenges Award. Oh, yeah. You definitely met all of the challenges that you faced in the first, I mean, more than two years of your child's life, and you did a great job. That's a lot. Plus, you had to grow that child. So really, <laughs> it's like almost three years. Yeah. Um, it's really amazing what you've done, and we want to congratulate you and just encourage everybody else out there that you can do it too. You got this, everybody. Let us know what you need, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Milk Minute Podcast. Um, if you liked this or any other episode you've ever heard, you should tell a friend about it, um, you should share about us on social media, or you can join us on Patreon. You can write an Apple review as well if you have an iPhone, which is always nice. And we read every single one of them. We do. And if you want to join our Patreon, which gives you access to all the exclusive Beyond the Boob episodes, you can do that at patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast. Beyond the Boob is a journey of my pregnancy, my third pregnancy, with Maureen as my midwife. And she's giving me all the best prenatal advice. And trust me, I do not have my midwife hat on for those episodes. <laughs> I am fully a pregnant person who is just there to receive education because, let's be honest, that part of your brain shuts off when it's you. <laughs> yeah, and we would love to see you guys there, too. Um, I think it's an incredible show. I'm really proud of what we've built there. So. Me, too. And we built it, like... Out, out of, of nowhere. <laughs> we were like, okay, today we'll just make a whole new podcast. Today. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, thanks, and we'll see you next time, folks. Bye-bye. It's a mid-mid.